Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, November 7th, day three of the ITA Fall Nationals, officially in the books. That means day four, Championship Sunday is upon us. It was a fantastic semifinal Saturday. Hopefully, all of you joined us on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel to enjoy all of that action. Of course, if you have not yet throughout the course of the weekend, rest assured, we'll be covering Sunday's Championship Act. Those matches starting 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific, of course, will have coverage from first ball to last of all of Sunday's matches. You don't want to miss out on what should be a phenomenal final day of the 2021 college tennis fall calendar. Of course, on today's podcast, what I want to do, recap day three at Fall Nats, talk about all of the fantastic matches we saw unfold on the grounds of the Barnes Tennis Center in San Diego. I want to run through how we got to today's finals. It was only one round of singles for us on Saturday, but two rounds of doubles. Finally got to see and learn about the best doubles teams right now in college tennis. I want to talk about the top performers, talk about the up sets we saw unfold and so much more of course before we do any of that as always i have to thank all of you listeners i have to thank our crack rackets patreon family without whom none of this content would be possible also have to thank our friends at tennis point sponsors of us here at the mini break podcast and the best in the business in providing the best equipment from throughout the tennis industry at the lowest prices and look If you're not feeling your best on your court, you're never going to play your best. Turn to our friends at Tennis Point. They're going to help you out with anything you need. Again, best equipment at the best prices. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, perhaps most importantly, you'll let them know we sent you there. So again, tennis-point.com. The symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with that said. Let's recap Saturday's action at the grounds of the ITA National Fall Championships. Of course, some of you listeners may be wondering, why am I not talking about the Paris Masters? Alex, you're aware world number one versus world number two is happening. Novak Djokovic versus Daniil Medvedev. Yes, I am aware of that fact. Rest assured, we're going to do a mega Monday mini break podcast breaking down the Masters 1000 action from this weekend. We'll even talk a little Billie Jean King Cup, Stefan Kozlov into the finals of the Charlottesville Challenger. He knocks out J.J. Wolf in their third matchup here of the fall. We'll get into all of that on Monday. On this podcast, we're going to focus on the ITA National Fall Championships, and we're going to start 
with our women's singles final. Fifth player in USC women's tennis history is Erin Cayetano to reach the ITA National Fall Singles Final. She earns a straight set victory. It's been all straight set victories for her here in San Diego yesterday. It was straight sets over Iowa's Alexa Noel. Now, of course, it's worth mentioning as we talk about this match. Alexa Noel had a track meet sort of Friday day at Fall Nats. She earns two come-from-behind three-set victories, or I suppose only the first was truly come-from-behind in her three-set win over North Carolina's Riley Tran. But of course, if you watched the seesaw affair, that was Noel versus Hamner, a rematch of the ITA All-American singles final in this week's quarterfinal. You know, Alexa Noel spent about six hours on court on Friday. As such, was the biggest question entering the match. How much gas did she have left in the tank? Could she do all of those Noelisms that we've all grown so accustomed to from out, um, from throughout her college tennis career? Make that extra back hand slice in the corner, go from defense to neutral about as well as anyone in the nation, and then of course sneak a couple forehands by you, move forward to the net, show off those better than you'd expect hands up there. The answer was no. Cayetano didn't allow her to do so. And you look for Aaron Cayetano. What's so impressive about the Trojans game is just her ability to take that ball early on the rise, use her foot speed to get around the ball on the ad side of the court, hit the inside out, inside out forehand to uh, combo to open up the inside in. And the Cayetano forehand was the biggest weapon on the court yesterday. A bigger weapon than Noel's speed, a bigger weapon than Noel's defensive skills. The match was on the racket of Aaron Cayetano from the start. And you look at the scoreboard, it was a 7-5-6-3 victory for USC's Cayetano. A revenge win for her, by the way, as Noel knocked out Cayetano in three sets in the ITA All-American semifinals. What was so impressive about the Trojan was just her willingness to keep swinging through her misses because she was well aware. Can't play at Alexa Noel's speed. If you're trying to outgrind Alexa Noel, play the 20, 25-shot rallies, you're just not going to beat her, even when the tank is as close to empty as it was. However, if you're willing to play 10 12, 14 shots. Wait for that right approach shot where you can spring off of that ball. Go big with the forehand as Cayetano did in this match. You're going to have opportunities for success. Now, of course, executing on that forehand, actually hitting it for a winner or forcing an error, just putting yourself in a position to move forward, much easier said than done. But that was the key for Cayetano. In a tipsy, you know, a, a rocky first set, or I should say a back and forth first set affair that saw multiple breaks of serve. Cayetano races out to an early lead. Noel gets the break back, sneaks in a hole. Then they're exchanging breaks back and forth. Looked like Aguilax and Noel might break to take a 6-5 lead. She then gets broken, uh, trying to serve to stay in the set. And you know, again, for Aaron Cayetano, it was just the continued aggression. Even when the forehand errors did start to pile up in the middle of the first set, she swung through those errors, maintained that front foot posture inside the baseline positioning. She took it to Alexa Noel, who, it's it's fair to say, ran out of steam at the end of that second set. Cayetano had worn her down, but that's a testament to the heaviness of that Cayetano forehand. And again, it's not the biggest serve she throws at you, but the weapons from the ground, her ability to use her speed to take the ball early. And again, this is another big result from Cayetano, who I believe won the Sportsmanship Award for all fall co- competition on the women's side in college tennis. Well-deserved award. Again, just takes care of her business out on the court. The positivity she brings as well. Much needed when you're playing someone who's trying to coax frustration out of you like Alexa Noel was. But 
Nothing but thoroughly impressed with Aaron Cayetano. And you look at the USC Trojans, their top three. Cayetano, Selma Ewing, who was a quarterfinalist at the All-American, lost in three sets to the aforementioned Sarah Hamner of South Carolina, your ITA All-American champion. You throw in Snow Han as well, who was the number seven seed here. And we saw her talent was a very, you know, again, we know what she is capable of, particularly as she becomes more experienced. That's a dangerous top three. I don't care who's at four, five, six. That top three is going to compete with just about anyone, even the Pepperdines, even the Texases, the North Carolinas of the world. USC Trojans surprised all of us when they made the round of 16 last year. It will not come as a surprise to see them have success. And again, it's a very young Stanford team. Uh, UCLA losing a couple of contributors off of last year's roster as well. USC is going to be in the mix in that Pac-12 conference. So Aaron Cayetano, again, has the opportunity. Fifth USC Trojan to compete in the National Fall Singles Final, where she's going to face a first-time program finalist, Princeton's Daria Freeman, number two seed at this event. We hadn't seen much of her here this fall, but she's been dominant. She has also yet to drop a set in this tournament. You look for Freeman yesterday, 7-5-6-1 victory over Arena Canto Siemers of Ohio State. The storyline from that match the missed opportunities for Contos in that first set. Felt like she must have had seven breakpoint chances go by the wayside, whether it was, I believe, the 5-all, or excuse me, the 4-5 service game, or, you know, 3-4, or just, again, you can point through, I think, you know, again, six service games for Daria Freeman. I believe Arena Contos got to deuce in at least four of the six service games and had breakpoint chances in all of those games as well, even before those deuce points, and yet... That's what Daria Freeman does. She turns defense into offense so well, and she almost goads you into attacking too early. Now, I will say, it was an uncharacteristic day for Contos, who just kept missing that forehand, you know, the big forehand approach. And Rina Contos, the lefty, moves the ball around the court as well as anyone you're going to see in women's college tennis this season. But, you know, she'd go heavy cross, heavy cross to open up the down the line, open up the swinging volley, or even would put herself in a position where she's at the net and she has the put away overhead. And she just was unable yesterday to put that final shot away. And again, that's a testament to Daria Freeman, who very Katarina Jokic-esque. You've heard me say that a couple of times on the podcast. You've heard me say it a couple of times on the broadcast. I'm not saying we should expect her to have Jokic-esque results at the beginning of her college tennis uh, season here. And of course, she was one of the many Ivy League players who we didn't have the opportunity to see compete in 2021. But just watch the way she swings at the ball. Watch the way she hits that backhand. Her ability to neutralize pace and turn, you know, def- uh, turn defense into offense on that forehand side, particularly impressive. Love the way she can elevate that ball to buy herself time, get the point back to neutral as well. But then again, the aggressiveness, the racket speed on her backhand wing, it's special. You know it when you see it, and with Daria Freeman, you see it. And again, it was the way she competed, not being deterred by those 15-40, 30-40 deficits in her service games. And then even when she's pushed in her own service games, just kept putting pressure on Contos with her return of serve. And then you could tell the frustration piled up for Contos in that second set, produced even more errors than she did in the first frame and obviously benefited for that fact and just put herself in a position to keep competing, put herself in a position to allow Contos to make those errors. I'm super impressed with Daria Freeman. As you look at her run here, she knocks off a freshman Virginia's Chavinsky. She knocks off Mertena of Tennessee. Straight sets over Connie Ma. Now straight sets over Arena Contos as well. And you look for that Princeton team. Again, Daria Freeman, Brianna Schwetz, Vicky Hu. 
I'm not sure off the top of my head what region they're competing in at the ITA uh, for the ITA kickoff weekend if they are competing at that event, but I believe they will be. And look, that's your class of uh, that's your top of the class in the Ivy League, and that's a team that will be competing for top 16 seed all year long. And that's a team again if they perform well on kickoff weekend, you want no part of them at the ITA National Indoor should they make that final 16 field. So again, Freeman first woman in Princeton women's tennis history to reach the national fall final. She's taken on Erin Cayetano of USC. That match, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific on our Crack Rackets YouTube stream. Of course, to put a bow on all the women's singles competition, mentioned Stanford earlier. They lost last year prior to the round of 16. That never happens at the NCAA tournament. They are going to have a bounce back year here in 2022 and we talked about Connie Ma on days one and two of this event Ma fantastic victory over both Snohan and Fiona Crowley in her first two matches of USC UNC respectively we should be talking about Alex Yepafanova and you look for Yepafanova the former junior slam finalist got a withdraw in her first consolation match from Cam Mora as fun as that match would have been to see the fact that we got to see Yepafanova knock off Natasha Subash 6-3 6-3 yesterday that's a testament to the firepower of the Stanford freshman. And again, it's one of those, you know it when you see it, the speed she plays at, the aggression she plays with, the decisiveness she plays with. It's a pro ball. It's a pro mindset. She's going to have success here. And you look at that Stanford team, Yepafanova, Ma, uh, Michaela Gordon back for another season. She's been a top 25 player in, throughout college tennis. Throughout her career, you have you know Angelique Blake and just, I can go on and on and on. Stanford's going to be really good. And if those freshmen go from good to great by the time we hit May, their upside's as high as anyone in the women's game. Fascinated to see Yepafanova's matchup against Lisa Zar, who does Lisa Zar things in her love 6-6-4-7-5 win yesterday over Iowa State's Desaporn Naklau. Look, Lisa Zar's a scrapper. She fights, she claws, she makes that extra ball. You watched her play in the doubles with Vicky Flores. You'll know she's a better volleyer than you expect for someone whose game is so baseline-centric and just... Again, she's got the athleticism. She's got that competitive edge where she is going to make that extra ball. It's not a match until Lisa Zars lost a set, and then she sinks her teeth into it, and now we're rolling. For her to have lost her first-round match to uh, Mallory, uh, to Mallory Asco, excuse me, there it is, of the University of Georgia, come back, make the final here of the National Fall Consolation, that's a bounce-back performance for Lisa Zar. That is success, absolutely, by any definition, for the Pepperdine, now sophomore, I believe, third year, whatever it may be. Point being, Yepafanova Zar, honestly, equally intriguing as Cayetano Freeman, so we'll keep our eye on that. That matchup happening at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can follow it, of course, on Track Tennis. Uh, all of these matches available on the We Are College Tennis ITA website. Of course, that's the women's singles action. Going to go a little bit quicker here with the men because although they were three set matches, they were weird ones to set up our final. We'll start with number three seed August Holmgren. Finalist, at the ITA All-American Top 100 win this fall as he played in qualifying of the ATP event in San Diego. Uh, he then got a lucky loser into the main draw where he was knocked out in straight sets by Grigor Dimitrov. But you can just see what the pro experience for August Holmgren, who made a Futures final uh, this summer as well as a Futures semifinal also. You can just see what those pro repetitions have done for his game. Simply put, he's got a pro serve plus one forehand. The decisiveness with which he goes after that ball 
Clement Shidek of Washington, your top seed, wasn't ready for that pace from the onset of the match, and that's why Holmgren ripped off, you know, Asiaga with cream cheese bagel in that first set. It was just six love, 20 minutes before you knew it. Holmgren was finding forehands in every position of the court. He was taking that one-handed backhand early and on the rise, and just the pace he was playing at, Shidek wasn't ready to adjust to, but the top seed from Washington absolutely made the adjustment in set number two. Started taking the ball a bit earlier, most impressively, just started changing direction with his shots. Wasn't going down the line or cross court more than twice in a row, and if he was, he was changing up the you know the way with which he was hitting that shot. Backhand slice, backhand drive, backhand down the line. Just again, the variety he played with, the, his willingness to move forward, try and take the net away from August Holmgren. He flipped the script, and again, six love first set to Holmgren, about 25 minutes, six one second set to Shidek in about you know 30 minutes momentum swings were the story of sets one and two and you kind of threw those both out the book in set number three because you could tell both guys had found had finally started to find their rhythm Holmgren getting a late hold at the end of set number two where it was just kind of like all right let's wake up don't worry you may take this set but I'm back here for set number three and that was the key August Holmgren's weapon his serve his forehand his willingness to move forward it was the differentiating factor between the two players in set number three. And look, it was a one break of serve difference in that third set. I believe Holmgren got the break up 4-3 in the third. And it's not even that Shidek played a poor game. Holmgren just connected with a couple of returns. That's what he does with his forehand. And, you know, again, I thought he was driving the ball really well in the backhand return as well. And just, he got after it. He pushed Shidek to the outer thirds of the court. And after Shidek did such a good job in the second set and, you know, through the start of the third, getting to that ball early, taking it on the rise, trying to beat Holmgren to the spot. And of course, with the pace of Holmgren's ball, it's very difficult to do. You can only hold, you know, keep that effort up for so long. If you can track down August Holmgren for the course of two hours, well, you're going to be, you know, you should probably be out on the pro circuit right now. It's it's unrealistic to expect Shidek to be able to keep that effort up for the course of two hours because, again, Holmgren just comes after you, after you, and after you. He's got the hammer. He's just trying to break down the wall, and he was able to do it, and again— I am thoroughly impressed with the game of Clement Shidek. I think we have to talk about him at the same caliber as the Sheltons, the Mondays, Van der Schulenbergs, that incredible sophomore class. I know I left out some names there. Braswell, of course, as well. And you can go on and on and on. Tracy of Ohio State. But Clement Shidek has reminded all of us that he belongs in that conversation as well because, again, 12-6 and six last year for the Huskies at the number one singles position. He's going to be a nightmare for whomever he's playing throughout the course of the 2022 dual match season. And obviously, given the national indoors are hosted in Seattle this year, we're going to get to see Washington compete at that event. Clement Shidek will be a guy who reminds all of us that weekend just how talented he is. But again... I've been doing this bit on our Cracked Rackets College Tennis Podcast, who's the best player in California? And the answer to that question right now, at least from the collegiate perspective, although maybe it won't be the answer after today's match if we want to hot take it that quickly, but August Holmgren's one, you know, 1A right now on that list. Finalist at the ITA All-American, obviously, uh, you know, for him to not drop a set until the semifinals of this tournament, competing in the finals here on his home courts, number three seed, defends his turf, was an All-American last season, was the WCC Player of the Year. 
again, 23 years old. He's a man amongst boys. You can see just the experience level he has. And of course, he gets to use that fifth year here this season because we lost that year due to COVID. Can totally understand that. You can see where the four years of experience are in August Holmgren's game. Just the decisiveness with which he plays and the confidence he has in his playbook. We talked to him on our broadcast. He said he's worked on the serve. He's worked on the first ball. And he's worked on his movement extraordinarily hard over the past six months. You can see all of that hard work manifests itself in the results he's put together. August Holmgren, three-set win into another fall final here. He's got the opportunity, I believe, to become the first player since 1992 to win a title for San Diego, joining Jose Luis Noriega. Of course, that uh, Noriega's match was played indoors. This event now held outdoors, but you know, second in program history to make the final could be the first guy since 92 to deliver a massive victory for the University of San Diego. But of course, he's got a battle on his hands as he's going to take on Stanford's Arthur Ferry. Ferry with a shot on Sunday to become the first player since Samdev Devarman in 2007 to sweep both the men's uh, singles and doubles titles at this event. You look for Ferry. Three sets has been his story. It was a three-set victory for him over Sven La, three-set victory over Andre Illigan in the round of 16s and quarterfinal matches was three sets for him yesterday in his victory over Ohio State's Monte Votzel. This was a fantastic match. Probably your best of the main draw single semifinals. Both guys exchanging blows and you know, it felt like Ferry was going to pull away after he took a 7-5, 4-3 lead. And then, you know, it's Votzel who rips off the rest of the games in that set and seemingly wrestled momentum away from Arthur Ferry. But what's so impressive about the Stanford sophomore, and I keep using this word, but this is the difference between those that are good in college and that those that have pro aspirations and are you know may, may even make it out there, is just decisiveness, a willingness to stick to your playbook, to be the aggressor. To You know, it's a hubris almost. You have to have this ridiculous amount of confidence in yourself that even when you've started to have the errors pile up, that... You go down swinging. You play on your terms, and win or lose, it's going to be on your racket. That's the story for Arthur Ferry, who's not going to overwhelm you with his size, but does everything well on the court. Beautiful contact point and his ability to take that backhand early on the rise almost as a jump backhand uh, it's super special uh his ability to follow those balls into the net there's a reason he's in our doubles final he's got a complete skill set and again really wants to be taking the ball early on the rise being the aggressor playing you know pro style tennis trying to finish points on his terms but Mate Votzel was there for it and you know I know this is a stupid observation but Votzel's not the J.J. Tracy body, right? Or Votel's not, you know, that obvious where it's just jacked and you're just like, oh, okay, and you know, the Sam Riffis body where the, the height and the length, you're like, that's a tennis body. That's not Mate Votzel. Mate Votzel could be a linebacker. Maybe not for Ohio State, but he could be a linebacker. He's got that sort of body and yet the fluidity in the outer thirds, the creativity, his ability, of course, to snap a plus one forehand, but the feel at the net. There's a reason Votzel is into the finals of the ITA Doubles All-American, and we're going to have a Votzel-Ferry rematch on Sunday as Votzel and Cash going to take on Ferry and Rotsart. That's going to be a fantastic match coming up 3.30 Eastern time on our stream. Uh, But again, Ferry was just a bit more dynamic from the baseline. And the truth is, I think between the two of them, it was Ferry's ability to be the aggressor on the backhand, to take that ball early on up uh, on the rise and up the line. That was the skill he had 
that Boetzel just wasn't quite as good as because both of them, when you give them clean looks on the forehand, they're going to move forward. Both of them, sneaky fluid and sneaky good feel in the outer thirds of the court. This was just a really good match between two of the best players in men's college tennis. And again, Mate Boetzel's proven it all uh, season long. Oh, excuse me, doubles 3 p.m. Eastern time, not 3.30 p.m. Shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff for informing me of that fact. So 3 p.m. Eastern time, although that right there is me anticipating that the match will go a little bit long because, of course, they're going to give Arthur Ferry however much time he wants after that singles final. So scheduled for three. I imagine it is going to start a little bit after that. Anyways, leave all of that in, Westoff. All of that is to say uh, Arthur Ferry, Monte Votzel, this was a pick sort of match, both of them played excellently, and much like I said about Clement Schiedek, uh, Mate Votzel's not going anywhere. And the luxury for Coach Tucker, we talked about this yesterday in respect to J.J. Tracy, but honestly, you could get away with playing Kingsley at two again. Votzel's that good, and when they played at the Columbus Challenger, wasn't it 6-7-7-6-7-6, some permutation of that scoreline that Kingsley ended up winning? I mean, you've got two guys at the top of your lineup in Boatsville, Kingsley, you like against just about anyone in the nation, and that's always a solid place to start, but as you move down the list with Tracy, Van Emberg, Trotter, Boulay, Cash, Anthrop, man, is Ohio State going to be good in 2022. Heck of a result from Ferry. Three-set victory for him over Monte Boetzel to again set up the final with August Holmgren. As mentioned, I know I said this at the top. You're going to hear it on the broadcast. Arthur Ferry, chance to become the first guy since 2007 to sweep both the singles and doubles title at this event, of course. Quickly, backdraw singles. Shout out to Pepperdine's Pietro Felling. A big question for the Pepperdine Waves. We know they're going to be good, but if they want to be top 16 good, DeJong, Rogers, 1-2. That's a quality start, and there's about six guys competing, whether it's Timmy Zietvogel, Pietro Felling. You can go on and on the list competing for those three through six singles positions. They've got guys, but do they have an order? Do they have a guy who can step up and, you know, again, win matches in the middle of the lineup against the Texases of the world, the Virginias of the world? That's what it takes to compete at the highest levels of college tennis for Pietro Felling to get wins over Musatelli and Slavic and, you know, Jordan Hassan, guys who are going to be competing in the middle of the lineups of those teams you have to beat to be a top 16 seed at NCAAs. It's a really good result for the Pepperdine Wave, and you know Coach Shackley over at Pepperdine is uh, thoroughly thrilled with this result. And of course, you get another Pepperdine-Kentucky matchup here. We saw them at the Hidden Duel in Knoxville. It's going to be Diallo of Kentucky taking on Pietro Fellin for Gabriel Diallo. Thoroughly impressed with his response after dropping his first-round match to Alafiaini of Cornell. He earns victories over Taha Badi in straights, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg in straights, now a three-set win over Alex Kotzen. He belongs in a top two in a lineup. And when you have Draxel, Diallo, and of course, Millen Hurrion, you're feeling pretty good once again about your top three in Lexington. By the way, stay tuned for more Kentucky men's tennis content on our Great Shot podcast later this week. But Diallo, just the serve, the forehand, he plays on his term. 6-3-6-7-6-2 win over the always tricky Alex Kotzen, who nice bounce back for him, by the way, for Kotzen to earn wins over Aguilar, over McLean, go three sets with Diallo. Kotzen's going to be, I think he's the best player in the Ivy League, although there's a lot of talent there, but you always feel good with Kotzen at that number one spot. And again, Columbia competes for national indoor spots. And if they get into that final 16 field, it's a super inexperienced team. You'd rather play them in January than in May, but keep an eye on the Columbia Lions, of course. That is where we're at in singles. 
doubles finals set for Sunday as well. Let's start with the women's doubles. Crawley and Scotty are damn good. They may just be your best team here in 2021. And what's so impressive about this UNC duo, of course, you have Elizabeth Scotty, 2021 NCAA doubles champion with McKenna Jones. The serve, the power she brings from the baseline, the confidence she seems to be playing with as well. And if you saw in their 7-6-6-1 victory uh, over uh, number seven seeds, Serana Lenana and Crywaj of Baylor, or their 7-6-6-3 victory over Collins and Shavatapan of Texas yesterday, it's that they were down early breaks in the first sets of both of those matches. Nevertheless, it was, you know, again, they're the persistence there uh, from these Tar Heels and just the aggressiveness with which they play. Fiona Crawley may have the most power of just about anyone in women's college tennis and her willingness to take that inside-in backhand return on the deuce side down the line. It's a weapon. And of course, she's a good volleyer. Like, that's been the revelation to me. Fiona Crawley's got hands at the net, folks. And it was so fascinating because watching her singles match against Connie Ma was the put-away volley that she struggled with so much. I mentioned this on the broadcast. I'm going to mention it again here A season of doubles is going to do wonders for Fiona Crawley. And just the positivity, the energy she and Scotty play with, the aggression they play with as well, their willingness to move forward, be two up. I really, really like this team for UNC. I think they've got number one doubles written all over them. And then, of course, you had quarterfinalists from UNC as well in Cam Mora uh, and uh, and Tenjulig, of, excuse me, of, of um, I think, of, excuse me, where they lost, yeah, to Assassin's Sky and started to save it, was in the quarterfinal round, 10-6 in the third there. That's a really funky duo as well because Cam Moore is just going to pepper angle after angle and cross-court, cross-court rally against you. And I like Tim Julig's ability to move forward, be the aggressor at the net. I think that team's got more upside to tap into as well. UNC's back, folks. Or I shouldn't say they're back. They're not going anywhere here in 2022. That was, I thought, a really good day for UNC doubles. And, of course, for Crawley, and in particular for Scotty, to get another wins over Kaylee Collins on the double court, doubles court. And just you can see the confidence growing for that team with every set that they play. I think they're the favorites in today's doubles final against Sassan Sky and Startup Seva, the All-American finalists from Old Dominion who follow up that performance with a final here at the National Fall Championships. You look for them yesterday. Three set wins over Mora and Tindulig of uh, UNC. Three set win over Makarova and Goldsmith of A&M as well. You can't deny this team has talent. They're going to belong in the top 10 of the rankings until someone knocks them off this season, unless they suffer, you know, three, four conference unexpected losses. And it's the fundamentals with which they play with. They know when to cross. They know when to move forward two up. They know how to cover for each other when the other opponent is crossing at the net. Just, again, the communication is seamless between these two players. And they don't overwhelm you with serves. They don't overwhelm you with pace. They overwhelm you with rigorous consistency, rigorous discipline. Again, this is a team two seniors know each other's games well. The continuity is abundantly clear. And just look at the wins they've put together here this fall. Again, ITA All-American final. Now they make the final here in San Diego. I'm pretty sure you've clinched All-American status if you make both of those finals. That's maybe your team, maybe your story here. You know, if it's Holmgren for the men, it's Sassanus Sky and Stardust Seva for the women. They have been absolutely sensational. And so, again, into the final, not a surprise. They were just... They were the more aggressive of the uh, two teams here, uh, of the teams they played, whether it was the third set breaker against UNC, third set breaker against Makarova Goldsmith, their willingness to move forward and just, again, put the impetus on your on the opponents. Okay, lob us. We dare you because if you leave that lob short, we're going to make the overhead. Or, okay, you know, again, 
just we we're taking the net away from you. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do something spectacular. And again, asking your opponents to do something spectacular, that's always a good position to be in. So just so impressed with, again, the discipline of Sasnaskaya, Startup Seva into the final, taking on Crawley and Scotty. That match should be a fascinating one. And again, that one will start at 3 p.m. Eastern time as neither or none of those four players competing in the singles final, of course, that is where we're at with the women's double. We've also got Briggs and Zane of Florida. Great bounce back from them uh, into the final here. They get wins over Cal. They get wins over Ohio State uh, to reach the uh, consolation final. Now they're going to take on Virginia Shaken Collard. Again, Virginia, Florida, consolation final. You know we're in on that sort of matchup. Of course, on the men's side, mentioned them already a bit. Cash and votes are just freaking awesome. And for them to win the ITA All-American, make the final here. Yesterday was two three-set wins over Baylor's Lawn Bass, then Georgia Tech's McDaniel and Martin. Again, those are two veteran teams. And these are two veteran players in Ohio State. Monte Votzel reached the NCAA doubles final last year with his partner, Emil Hud. Of course, Robbie Cash has been number one in the nation already as a doubles player. He and John McNally reaching that status when Cash was a freshman their ability to take the ball early on the rise and returns. Their ability to get two up at the net. I saw multiple occasions in the Baylor-Ohio State match where players were taking overheads out of the air as returns. It's a joke. It's a joke. Again, they do everything well from a fundamental standpoint. And then they've got pace and they've got you know speed and cash. Just His reflexes are as good as you're going to find in college tennis. Again, it was pick them sort of matches. Come down to third set breakers, 10-8, cash and votes over Lon Bass, 10-6 over McDaniel and Mark 10. That said, those two teams absolutely going to be in the mix throughout the course of the season. And now, maybe the big surprise is the finals appearance from Stanford's Ferry and Rotsart. And, you know, again, you watch these guys play. Alex Rotsart just looks fit. In a way, he never seemingly was during the course of last season. And, you know, Rotsart was one of the top freshmen in the nation. Back in, I believe, 2020 when he was first joining the Stanford roster and, you know, he and Axel Geller were playing so well uh, at the beginning of that season. And there's just, again, the aggression he and Ferry play with, the athleticism they both bring to the court, the feel they both bring to the court as well. Votzel and Cash, you know, your more traditional doubles team, the way they get to the net, the way they, you know, crowd that net and the way they go big on their returns – Ferry and Rothsard are just two exceptional tennis players who happen to have been put on a court to play doubles together. And, you know, again, you get that sense. Cash and Votzel look like a doubles team. Ferry and Rothsard just look good at tennis. I don't know if that makes sense to all of you, but perhaps if you've watched enough college tennis, it does. I'm not saying it's two singles players on the court. It's two guys who clearly have well-rounded double skills, but there's a connectiveness. You know, again, Votzel, Cash are a team. They're like clearly a team. They cover the holes, all these things, etc. Ferry and Rothsard are just really good. They're winning on talent. They're winning on discipline. They're winning on just about everything. I think this is a pick'em sort of match. I think, you know, again, Ferry, Rothsart, maybe a little bit better at the fundamentals. I mean, we just saw Ferry beat Votzel in three sets. Would love to watch a Rothsart-Robbie Cash singles match. But this is a pick'em sort of match. This one has third set written all over it. In terms of a prediction, if Ferry wins the singles, I think he's going to win the doubles as well. If he loses the singles, I think he's going to lose the doubles as well. I don't know if that makes sense from a prediction standpoint, but I guess that's my prediction for all of you. And again, 
It's going to be a fantastic day of tennis. We're covering all the action. First ball to last here on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. If you have not already, you can follow all of that action along with us. Come interact with us on the chat. Of course, we'll be back next week to recap Championship Sunday. And again, I said this at the top, massive mini break Monday podcast plan for all of you listeners. We'll recap Paris, recap Billie Jean King Cup, talk about everything happening at the challenger level, and so much more, of course, if you have missed out on any of the previous day's ITA coverage. You can go watch the matches on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, or you can hear our previous podcast recapping each day on the mini break podcast feed. All of that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff, who's been killing it all weekend long and will continue to do so. Shout out to our friends at Tennis Point as well, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we hope to see you all on Sunday. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 